So welcome back to another episode of Geek Sweat. We have always provided you with inspiration interviews from IMDb listed filmmakers, review sweats about TV series that are now streaming online, as well as hot topics that are currently available and trending about things in the film and television industry. And one of the other episodes, which I can't remember at the moment, is Trailer Talk where we also talk about feature films and their imminent promotional trailers. Today, we are going to talk about cult TV. And that means we are bringing back Cody in the house. How you doing, Cody? Um, I'm all right, yeah. I've had um, Pour Some Sugar On Me by Def Leppard stuck in my head for a week. Really? Why I haven't that? heard it since I was about 15. Yeah? So I, I don't know where it came from, but it won't leave. Pour some sugar meat. Was it ever a jingle in an advert? No, think? but I was because it got stuck in my head. I started reading about it. Yeah. Apparently, it's the most um, stripped two songs in American lap dancing clubs. Interesting. MK, what do you think about <laughs> that? The most stripped two songs. I used to hear this song now. Yeah. Pour some sugar meat. You don't. Yeah. You don't know. It? No. Oh, well, <laughs> I, might, I might have heard it, but I don't know. I, I don't go by. The, the names of songs because they never really match uh, okay. up with what's yeah, actually no, said in the they, song. they really do sing it in the chorus I might uh, have so. to listen to that before I, next time I take a shower to see if it's really <laughs> a strip worthy <laughs> song <laughs> or, what, you go, if it doesn't make you strip you're going to go in there fully clothed I might have <laughs> to yeah I think like, what's wrong I've been listening to the wrong music before I go and take a shower oh crazy and uh, King Dom you're here as well I mean is there a favourite song that you strip to or like people <laughs> stripping to Favourite song that I like people stripping to? Wow, that's or, a leading question, isn't it? <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. All about the leading questions. Yeah. Have you, have you heard the Def Leppard song yourself? I have heard it. I probably owned that on cassette at <laughs> yeah. one point in I had no stereo album as well when I was 15, I think. <laughs> Do you know what? When I think of, like, strip songs and uh, music, I always think of, like, 80s detective shows and films where they unnecessarily had this plot point where like somebody's got to leave the police precinct and go into some kind of dirty dungeon dive bar and like interview or do some like really casual uh, chat with somebody next to somebody throwing her boobs around, you know? Which is throwing her boobs a plot point. (laughs) Yeah. That is what is called sex position. Yeah, have you not seen any Eddie Murphy movie where he's with a cop, like from Beverly Hills Cop to 48 Hours? A woman throwing her boobs around. (laughs) Are they like surgical implants though? (laughs) (laughs) Would you throw her boobs around? Yeah, tossing them around like a... (laughs) Tossing them around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, like it's, it's volleyball. Like stop digging. Like it's volleyball in a Yeah. <laughs> it's just, football. Yeah, no, I'm just talking about unnecessary uh, stripped stripper scenes in films, that's all. Um, oh, no. The, it's never every, unnecessary. Huh? It's never unnecessary. Exactly, that's what I was going to say. Every scene in a strip club in Beverly Hills yeah. Cop was essential to the plot of the film. Yeah. yeah. Actually, can I say something? The one, there's only two scenes that I've liked about strippers in films and I think one of them was Blade Runner which had an unfortunate ending because it turned out it was a replicant that Deckard had to kill bummer and then then the second one was um, from Dust Till Dawn when Salma Hayek who's like very attractive woman 
that's the most sensual dance on stage before it turns into a blood and guts orgy. You've got this face, MK. It's like, please don't bring that up again. <laughs> I can't try to keep my food down. <laughs> no, no, I, I enjoyed her strip tease. No, what I was thinking about was yeah. um, you talking about breasts. Breasts. And it took me to um, <laughs> Total Recall with women the woman oh, with yeah. three, three oh, that, that came into my head as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three tetes. Yeah. What's better than two breasts? Three yeah. breasts. That's <laughs> what I was thinking in my head. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we diverge. And it's kind of funny because like half an hour later, then the woman says, get ready for a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> I know. What else? <laughs> Pair of two dicks. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. So uh, now we've cleared the air with that. That um, was a total recollection. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are going to look at something different now. Uh, something Thank God for that. Strange and funny. Uh, we are looking at some fictional character today called Alan Partridge. Can you impart us with any knowledge about this gentleman, Cody? Alan Partridge. Alan Gordon Partridge, of course. His name's Gordon Partridge. Alan Gordon Partridge. Alan Gordon Partridge (laughs) is his full name. He's a fictional uh, BBC broadcaster, I take it? If you want him to be fictional, but you know. (laughs) What what is his makeup? What is he about? Well, he's he's kind of the quintessential Middle England kind of Alan Titchmarshy cut type um, broadcaster. Um, he started off on um, the Radio 4 comedy programme on the hour, yeah. which was um, um, among the people working on that with people like uh, Chris Morris, um, Armando Iannucci, Stuart Lee, Richard Herring. So Chris Morris is kind of famous for Four Lions, the film, and Armando Iannucci, he did um, that... Uh TV well, Mando Nietzsche did the thick of it. Um, and the film, what was the fi- film version of the thick um, of it? In the Loop. In the Loop, And yeah. Death of Stalin. Cool. But this is going all the way back to 1991. Yeah, it? yeah, that's yeah. when when Alan popped up for the first time. He was a, he was a sports reporter. Oh, but really? he wasn't really that clued up on sport. But, <laughs> I mean, that was kind of the way the show goes. Did he go off on tangents, I take it? Um, I, did. I remember on um, the day to day, which was the TV version of um, on the hour. There's um, a clip of um, a goal being. Um, he, he does. There is a clip of um, player scoring a goal, and then another player coming out and then st- and whacking the ball straight back in the net to celebrate. Yeah. And I think his commentary is, "It's a goal and another one." <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it feels like it's like a guy brought in for the yeah, shipping yeah. department to <laughs> yeah, kind of commentate yeah. on in somebody's absence. Cool. And um, uh, Alan Partridge, of course, brought to life by the actor and comedian um, Steve Coogan, mm. whose more famous brother was in the Mock Turtles. Yeah. His big hit was Can You Dig It? Yeah. In about 1989. Oh, he sang <laughs> in that song when he was in the band. His brother was in the band. Oh, His right. brother was... The lead singer of the Mock Tales. He also anyway, did um, Paul Calf, didn't he? The kind he did, of yeah, Paul Calf and Pauline Calf. Mm. Brother from, and sister. Yeah. From Manchester, cool. So, I mean, it's In kind stand-up of... Days. It's a little bit of a, a, a contentious subject about who actually invented Alan Partridge. Um, I'm Andrew Nietzsche says he did. Patrick Marber says he did. Richard Herring says he did. Stuart Lee says he did. Um, apparently, Iannucci asked Coogan to do a voice for a generic sports reporter... And someone said he's an Allen, someone else said he's a Partridge. Within minutes, they knew where he lived. We, he worked out this whole story, what his aspirations were. Mm. So he's kind of like, I, I mean, what, what real person could you compare Alan Partridge to? He's, he's got a bit of Jeremy Clarkson, but maybe a bit more Richard Madeley, like a, a, yeah. a Richard Madeley. What about, um, 
Jeremy I mean, Richard Clarkson. Madeley's famous from This Morning television yeah. show yeah, in yeah. the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, so they got. Um, and what about Tony Blackburn? Because he's like an easily listening middle of the road guy. I suppose you could yeah. you could say there's a certain amount of. Um, I think Tony Blackburn's a bit too likable to be yeah. the main model for Alan Partridge. <laughs> ah, okay. Actually, no. Tony Blackburn was more like Harry Enfield and Chums, smashy and nicey, yeah, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. Okay. So we stick with Richard Madeley and. It's, it's a bit of Jeremy Clarkson about Jeremy him. A Clarkson bit, a bit, yeah, Gear. no, kind okay. of. Do you know something I noticed, especially in the new series, the way Alan Partridge sets his expression before he says anything in a really calculated way. <laughs> yeah, it actually reminded me of Tony Blair oh, about right. the time that he was trying to convince everyone the war in Iraq was a good thing, and he <laughs> actually, would like yeah. you know arrange his expression into the appropriate expression <laughs> before he said anything. <laughs> Yeah, there is that kind of weirdness about it because it's kind of like um, it's kind of like he's putting his battle face on before he presents, so to speak. Yeah, isn't it? he does, mm. and he kind of just and a lot of the comedy is about him just powering through a disastrous segment, regardless of what's happening around him. Right, there becomes a kind of grim determination to finish it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Make of that what you will. <laughs> Why has it come mm. back at this time? Make of that what you will. Yeah. What I've noticed with Alan is he does this thing where someone will say something, he'll say the first thing that comes out the top of his head. Okay. Realise that he says something wrong, but then when someone kind of gives him a chance to row back on it, yeah. he doesn't row back on it, he just goes further with it, and I think that's his main... Yeah. He, he can never row back on, on something, he's, on what he's just said. He, he digs he, himself he, a little he, trench. He never kind of goes, oh, sorry about that. Mm. He'll just keep going in that same kind of line, trying to justify his original thought that was wrong. So as a character, <laughs> is that his Achilles heel that he doesn't know how know, to say well, sorry? I don't know. There's two kind of aspects of Alan but There's Alan Partridge employed and Alan Partridge unemployed. Okay. So, so kind of after um, the day-to-day, he got his own show. Well, it started off again as a Radio 4 series called um, uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. And that was transferred to a TV series in which Alan kind of presents his own light entertainment show with guests. And, you know, every episode something goes wrong. Um, it ends up with the last episode of him shooting a guest and attacking the BBC's commissioning editor. <laughs> so, so he's gone from like being on the radio to yeah. being live on TV on yeah, BBC yeah, Two yeah. now. Yeah. So he okay. gets his own TV show and know me, knowing you. He gets one season of that. I think it was yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's one season of um, know me, knowing you, and then he gets you know he doesn't get the second season. Yeah. And then Is that because Alan, he shot the commissioner. Yeah, he shot. Yeah, well, he, he shot a guest, and then he attacked the oh. the, the series commissioner. Okay. So then Alan returns in I'm Alan Partridge, which is a kind of docu soap yeah. of him staying in a travel travel lodge, trying to get his second season of his show, okay. which I think that is the masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, that is the the Alan Partridge series. I'm Alan Partridge, season one anyway. Okay, um, living in a travel lodge with um, Mike the Geordie. Um, of a, of a staff who kind of hate him, but it only really comes out right at the end of the last episode. Because the interesting thing about this is um, he was going as a character or as a broadcaster into the personal reality mm. TV, just as reality <clears throat> television was kind of kicking off where we were seeing documentaries behind the scenes and life yeah. of stories on TV. So there's, so he made two seasons of Our Man and Partridge. It's the most famous one is the first episode of the first season in which um, Alan goes to meet David Hares, the um, commissioning editor of the BBC that he attacked in the last episode of Knowing Me, Knowing You. 
and in it he pitches a number of TV shows that have become it's become quite a legendary spiel. That he comes out with your um, started um, Inner City Sumo <laughs> ideas for TV programs. So you got Inner City Sumo. Um, I can't host, hosteling with Chris Eubank. What was it? Hosteling. Hosteling. Youth hosteling with Chris Eubank. Well, obviously, the problem with the title as well with Chris Eubank even trying to attempt to say that. Monkey tennis. Monkey tennis. Yeah. Okay. Chaz and... What's the one with Chaz and Dave? Chaz and Dave. But he he reels off a whole list of of absurd TV programs. And that became a thing because I've actually got um, a friend who's a writer and he used to have to pitch ideas to companies (laughs) and I'd ask him, how did it go? And if it went really badly, he'd say, monkey Monkey tennis. tennis. (laughs) (laughs) It ends up with him with with, uh, a massive piece of cheese on a fork chasing the commissioning editor out of the BBC restaurant. Wow. So he doesn't get his second series. Oh, he does, actually. At the end of season one, he gets his series, but the new commissioning editor, he dies oh. while he's signing his contract. Ooh. So he's that close. Yeah. And he's, he's like, he gets a brilliant, and this guy's offering him an amazing contract, like free series or something. And so Alan has it made for like two seconds there while he's signing the... So there's an element of like bittersweet tragedy to Alan Partridge as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's much more likeable, I think, when he's on air, when he's not... He's kind of a... Bit of a bastard when we're just seeing him as he is. Whereas when he's on TV, as he's got to pretend to be kind of yeah. nice. Uh, I mean, he is working during the course of Iron Partridge. He's a DJ on Norfolk Nights. But the fact is, the fact that we start with him on air, yeah. we see him lose his job, and yeah. then he gets his job after basically crawling through the dirt. Well, he it gives to... a new context to his on-air persona the yeah, second yeah. time around, doesn't well, it? Well, he kind of, after season one of Unknown Part, in season two, he's actually been promoted. In in the first season, he's on, the, I think, the four, three till six slot in the mornings, whereas after uh, season one, he's from 10 till two. The, uh, so he, he gets a much better role. So he's kind of climbing his way back up in season two. Of course, between season one and season two was the time that he drove to Dundee in his bare feet, eating Toblerone. Why did he do that? <laughs> yeah, he's having a nervous breakdown. So after I ran in Partridge, the next, uh, it's Alpha Papa. Alpha Papa is the feature film. I, I quite yeah, enjoyed that film. You enjoyed that film? <laughs> yeah. Do you I, want to talk a little bit more about it? I, I found that he, he was quite, um, I felt sorry for him during He the, was quite heroic. Yeah, a bit he analysis. was. Yeah, and yeah. It, some of the, <laughs> I, I love the relationship between him and the Irish guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, thought that was yeah. amazing. <laughs> and they had such great chemistry. And um, the other guy that got taken hostage with him actually followed him into the, the TV series. It's time with... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, Tim Key. Yeah, yeah, Tim Key. Yeah. Tim Key. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really enjoy it. I think the favorite, my favourite scene... In Alpha Papa's when he was climbing out of the window, and and the armor response unit was there. I think that was that was the best bit of the whole show, <laughs> the whole the whole film. But yeah, I I thought that was it for because that was made for Americans that that weren't aware. I read somewhere that was made for Americans that weren't aware of who Alan Partridge was. Okay, I think that gave a great representation of him without needing such a detailed yeah, yeah. backstory. Yeah, because yeah. that 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 could have stood alone as a film. You didn't need to see him. No, no, no. Before that, or even after that. So yeah, I, I felt that was a very, very good film. So after um, Alpha Papa, then we had got the Sky series. We have um, Morning Matters, in which he's him and Tim Key again play uh, host and co-host of a 
a Norwich radio show, which is it's actually very funny. Um, it's just, it's, it, it hasn't got any budget, really, because it's just them in the radio show. So it's kind of cheap to make, but it's very funny. And I think he made an, a kind of a documentary called um, about Norfolk, about Norwich, really? which was called something, I expect. Scissored Isle. Scissored Isle. Yep. And Nomad. Yep. Are those two separate projects or the same one? Um, we'll soon find out. Um, so it's a Christmas episode, maybe, of a Channel 4 chat show. Okay. I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. I've always been interested in what he does as a character because one thing about um, Steve Coogan yeah. is he was a voice on, or many voices, on a, a famous political satire show Spitting called Spitting Image. Yeah, 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 the puppet show. So he's really good at, like enveloping or investing himself into a character isn't he yeah 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 so after those and then finally um this year alan partridge finally returned to bbc with this time this time is a uh kind of satire of a it's, it's basically the one show they're taking the piss out of this yeah. one so but, it's just um, like another like cultural pop well he, show, get, he gets some he he, he 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 turns up in the first episode to take over from the actual host is ill. Yeah. The actual host then dies in episode two. Okay. So Alan, Alan gets the job full time, and Alan's back on TV. Yeah, because I saw an epi- I think I thought I saw a one-off episode, but I didn't know it was the series. <laughs> yeah, it's a series. So of I six. think the episode that I saw, it seemed to be touching on the whole Me Too campaign. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, or not Me Too campaign, <laughs> but the Me Too incidents that have happened and how he was trying to address it. And I, uh, it was. It was so like darkly humorous when he was trying to answer tweets of sexist. Look at tweets of sexist jokes, and it well, was just like, one guy sending mother-in-law jokes. Yeah, and it was just one guy sending bad mother-in-law jokes, <laughs> and then he has this. Um, uh, he has this. There's a kind of it's a, a slow burning joke where he tries some food. And he later tells everyone that he's like a le- allergic he's to shellfish. Selfish, yeah. And then, um, so his lips start to balloon <laughs> from the allergic reaction. But you think, oh, this is nothing. Until you realise there's a, like a barbershop quartet that's going to perform at the end of the episode. <laughs> and they have to sing, um, sisters are doing mm. it for themselves. And it didn't click to me how funny it was going to be until everyone else was singing the Annie Lennox part. And then like full, fully blown with the blown up um, allergic reaction lips, he ends up singing the Aretha Franklin part over the closing credits of the actual, of the actual um, show. So it's like, they, there's lots of layered jokes in there and referential ones. Yeah. And in the episode before that, of course, um, we had Alan Partridge's lookalike on, yeah. an Irish lookalike who yeah. started singing IRA songs in the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, there was another thing I liked about the episode that I saw as well, which is um, when he went out and to do the outdoor reporting, and I think he went to the British Library, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> he was fascinated by the mechanics of how one of the yeah. aisles worked, and he went into an aisle, and he asked the lady to close the, um, the, the, the shelving unit on him and tighten it, and it was like, it went into this S&M moment where she basically tightened it to a vice-like grip, and he didn't say anything. And then she was like, are you okay in there? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. And then he waited and he waited. He goes, okay, you can let me out now. And then she opened it. Yeah. And he just walked off the camera. (laughs) So that was the end of the interview. 
So it's, I like the way it touches on dark spaces without going overboard. It's very subtle stuff. Yeah, but and actually in this time, you see a kind of a more, a more um, progressive Partridge. Oh, really? He's not quite the old kind of bigot that he might have been like yeah. 20 years ago. He's actually, I mean, when he does the, um, the, the Me Too episode, he does seem like mm. he's actually trying his best to go... I want to say something about this because we've had um, a guest on before, Jimmy Akimbola, and he was talking about his character as, um, I think it was Antony, Antoine Malachi or Antoine Malik. And he did 120 episodes and he had to remember characteristics and character arcs that his character had before. Do you think Steve Coogan or Alan Partridge is respecting the character arcs that he's had before by growing a little bit each time. Yeah. You see, definitely see changes in Alan over yeah. his different adventures on different media and different channels. Because the thing is the Alan Partridge that we see, it really is the Alan Partridge who's gone through the on the hour experience and the alpha path yeah, experience yeah, yeah, and yeah. the knowing me, knowing yeah. you experience. And he's bringing that to this time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought this time he was going to be the voice of Brexit. Is oh, right, it, but no, he doesn't. I mean, Jeremy Clarkson is is very much a Remainer, so I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it would be fair to just guess that Alan Partridge would be a Brexiter. But I, I read that somewhere, that, he, that oh, okay. that's what he wanted to do with this time. Oh, really? But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why, that was one of the inspirations with bringing it back, because he wanted to be the voice of Brexit. And it's interesting you say that he, he he's become more... Um, Tolerant, yeah, I more think. tolerant and liberal. And do you I think mean, he still hasn't got the language to kind of catch up with kind of the way he thinks, but I think he does seem to be trying at least. But for me, it's never been a better time than to be intolerant. So, do, do you think he's he's be, he's more tolerant with just to be a counter wave to all the intolerance that is flying around? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he see how how the winner change, and if he's going to have a role on BBC One on prime time, then he has to kind of accept things the way things have changed in the world. And um, maybe he is kind of better at that now. I don't know. Maybe he's learned a bit through his years of ups and downs. Okay. I, I don't know. They should do a drama, a kind of Alan Partridge drama, where it's just kind of looking at him. Maybe. Yeah. No. I would, I'm not sure if I could handle <laughs> Alan Partridge drama. It'd be too te- heartfelt and tear tear swelling. You know. Um. So, I mean, that uh, this time was uh, six episodes. Okay. Um, it was broadcast and moved to one. It's just finished. Did you Did you um, enjoy the series? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it was like, it's like knowing me, knowing you. It's kind of, you know, it's Alan on TV. So you're, you're watching a TV show. You're not watching Alan behind the scenes, you know, when he's talking to Lynn or whatever. Yeah. That's really funny, obviously. But it's a different kind of thing. It's funny to watch him hosting a TV show and kind of, uh, I've, I've, it's nice to see the balance between what he's like when he's working and what he's like when he's not working. Because I was going to say that I, 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 the last episode I watched, which was the first episode, was when he, he was talking to that cyber terrorist and he had the picture of the cyber terrorist. <laughs> then he followed him into the elevator. <laughs> that, that was the, that was, I need to watch the rest of the series. I found that was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> but the other thing about um, Alan Partridge as well, it's not usual for comic incarnations, but he's really appeared in different spaces because yeah. he's been on, I mean, there's a little roll call of what he's been on. He's been on Clive Anderson talks back the Brit in 1997, the Brit awards, as in 1998, he was in the British Comedy Awards in 2000. 
he was actually a guest on the Jonathan Ross show in 2011 and a guest on the radio talk show, the Richard Bacon show in 2011 and more recently on inheritance tracks. So he does, he's, he's very versatile, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's his best known character. I don't think anyone will disagree with that. Mm. Steve, I don't know if Steve Coogan would want him to be his yeah. best love character. Uh, although, you know, I don't know if anyone here watches The Trip yeah. or not, but there's a kind of Steve yeah. Coogan's character in that. Is quite, he, you know, he plays himself as quite mm. ambitious and quite, you know, a bit a cut above. Well, yeah. Rob Brydon anyway, at least in the first season. I think it kind of changes a bit after the first season, but... I think the only other There's character... definitely a feeling that Steve Coogan in that wishes he'd yeah. done a bit better in like saying films or in Hollywood or whatever. Yeah, I think the only other character that's like slightly larger and ironically is actually smaller is, is Octavius' character in um, Night at the Museum. Because I think that one might be more <laughs> well known. But okay. it's, it's not strictly comedy, but the way he plays as a two-hander against... Um, Owen Wilson, they should actually have a breakaway film, I think. I don't know. Has anyone seen um, the uh, Lauren and Hardy film? Oh, yeah. Have I haven't seen, seen it, it no. but it looks like it could be really good. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd quite enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. So while we're talking about um, the latest series, we should say a word for Susanna Fielding, who is oh, really, really Oh, she was amazing. Yeah. As Jenny Gresham, the co-host. Yeah. Okay. It's, I mean, it's a tricky role to play because you're kind of, you're, you're playing, um, uh, you have to react to what Alan is saying, but you also have to be aware that you're playing someone who's on TV in front of people who aren't expecting you to react to what Alan is saying. Yeah, yeah. So it, there's a lot of micro reactions going on in her face throughout the whole of the episode, just little looks and stuff. And it's a brilliant performance. Yeah. Because you really get a sense they're on live yeah, TV yeah, as yeah, it's yeah. happening. And it's yeah, not just we're doing a rehearsed comedy gig, you know? Yeah. No, she's really good. Although for me, the masterpiece is still I'm Alan Partridge. Yeah, yeah. Because that uh, has, I'm Alan Partridge season one. Armando Inucci's genius for <laughs> bizarre situations. <laughs> I think my favourite episode, if I can just mention yeah. a favourite episode, is the Watership one, where they're going down a barge. And it just escalates <laughs> in a really he, insane he offends, he offends and unexpected way. Early on in the episode. And ends up with a cow dropped on his head on a bike. Right, I was trying to avoid the spoiler, but the way like Armando Iannucci manages to escalate the complete chaos at yeah, the yeah. end of that e episode. And of course, in that episode, there's Chris Morris cameo playing the farmer. That he oh, Chris Morris actually yeah. turns yeah, out. Yeah, Chris Morris so is he's in one episode, yeah. Nice. Playing a uh, uh, spokesman for the farmers that Alan has um, offended. Nice. But yeah, that is a perfect half hour of sitcom. <laughs> Okay, I'll look out for it. It looks like we're coming to the end of uh, our Cult TV talk. Cody, is there anything that you could recommend in terms of like a favourite episode or favourite series of the Alan Partridge? Well, like, like we just said, I'm Alan Partridge season one yeah. is the um, peak of Partridge. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that was us talking about the progress, pratfalls and peaks of Partridge in Cult TV. And if you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find us on Castbox FM. Uh, we've been Geek Sweat, and we'd like to thank our hosts, MKH. Goodbye. King Dom. Goodbye. I've been TJ, and also uh, we'd like to thank our main host, Cody. Cheers. And our sound audio extraordinaire from Neo Geo. 
Goodbye. And we're over and out.